You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. <sighs> What's up, Grump? Any news today? It is a glorious day, I guess. I don't know. Um, it, it, it was. <laughs> it, it wasn't until that Nick game until you started singing, so <laughs> it's um, trying to recover. Well, you know, NBA is kind of the third most important sport. Uh, <laughs> Your singing is, you know, another matter altogether. It's well, I mean, compared to if the, your options are you or me, <laughs> may not uh, be we, so bad. Anyway, it doesn't we, fucking matter. Yeah. In, in the NFL world, Daniel Jones, the Giants, they work out a deal at the deadline. They work out a deal, sign it off, and are able to use the franchise tender on Saquon Barkley. Um. I guess so. It depends on who you are. If you're happy with this, if you're not happy with this, I think opinions on Daniel Jones range everywhere from let him walk to uh, give him whatever he wants. So, yeah. uh, Cranky Finn, this is your time to talk. How do you feel? Yeah. Initial well, thoughts. Well, my initial thoughts were, you know, I didn't lose any sleep over the last couple of nights because I figured – you know, first of all, the thought that he would not be the Giants quarterback next year was not a possibility, you know. So it wasn't like I was spending hours each night going, oh, my God, what's going to happen with this deal? And, you know, which is quite a shock considering 12 months ago we were like they're going to, you know, not do the fifth-year option. They're probably just playing out the string, and we will be probably be a bad team in the quarterback chase for the draft next year. So a lot has happened in 12 months. So. It really became a question of, you know, playing chicken and who's going to win that battle of chicken. Um, you know, I'm glad, you know, for the sake of the franchise, getting a deal done, you know, allows the Bartlett's, all the other dominoes fall, you know, working out, put, slapping a tag on Barkley that's not exclusive for him and, you know, sets in motion everything else can be done. Um, I guess I just wasn't as passionate as other people in fretting about what could potentially happen. And... I, you know, I have patience, you know, knowing that something was going to happen. I wasn't at all in that. Well, I need to know something has to get done just for my sanity. You know, general managers don't care about the fans sanity and whether they can sleep at night or whether they're anxious. They're going to make they're going to make a deal. You know, they are going to. And that's how negotiations are. Negotiations for anything that happen in public are aggravating. They're annoying. They're, you know, every little leak that comes out, you take as gold and gospel. But, you know, they all knew there was a deadline. You know, Daniel Jones knew there was a deadline. The, the, uh, the New York Giants knew it. They made a deal and we move on. So I'm just more relieved that all of this talk is over. Um, I'm pretty disappointed in Giants Twitter uh, from a fan perspective, from a media perspective on how all this was handled. Um it's really showing a lot of divisions on what people think of Daniel Jones and to some extent what they think about this you know, front office. And I, I'm just pretty disappointed that 
people have so many varied opinions and some of them just don't seem to make any sense. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, this front office has a plan and maybe the plan has been adjusted a little bit because Daniel Jones wasn't playing out the string this year. They, they realized that they could use him. So, you know, they've had to modify it, but this move to me tells me that they had a, a backup plan and how they're going to handle if they wanted to resign him. And now we'll just let the dominoes fall for the rest of the off season. And, and, and the last thing I would say on this initial thing is keep in mind that 2023 isn't the year. You know, it's not do or die this year. The window doesn't close this year. So moves that are made in this offseason, starting with Daniel Jones, are setting this team up for sustained success. Not what are we going to do in 2023? So keep that in mind as, you know, all of these moves are making, starting with this one and Barkley and so on and so forth. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, and I feel pretty good. I, I agree that uh, I wasn't losing any sleep over this at all. Uh, I, I didn't really contribute to the daily or, or pff, downright hourly uh, contribution to Twitter of, um, you know, just my thoughts on Daniel Jones every couple of hours. Did not feel the need to do that. Um, you know, I'd kind of chime in there, retweet a thing every once in a while if someone said something poignant or like something. But in general, I, I just wasn't thinking that much about this. I got the sense that throughout the year that this was kind of the route that this was going to go. Um, as that sense grew more and more backed up by news reports, whatever, what felt like controlled leaks. We've been talking about this for months. There was just kind of never a doubt in my mind. I mean, especially when you look around the league and there's plenty of teams that are quarterback needy that would love to have somebody as talented as him. And while Giants Twitter may be divided as they've seen him from his Duke highlights up until his one year, his one year, let, let's call it how it is, mm -hmm. that he looked good, um, you know, there's much more varied opinions for everybody else around the league, there's only recent opinions. And there are definitely coaches around the league that are like, see, this is what we need to do with this guy. If I could just get my hands on him, I could blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I know that this front office, if they were so out, like they had to know that. So if they were so out on him to, to let him hit the market, then, then I guess like they were really truly out on him, that there was not something there. So, uh, you know, I didn't get that sense at all. So I, I always kind of knew this was coming, even at work today. Like, I, I forgot the day of the deadline. Like, I just – none of this was really at the forefront of my mind. So I'm comfortable with everything here. And, and you know, as it pertains to Saquon Barkley, you know, the, the leverage there and negotiating long-term if they want to continue doing that. If, they, if that never comes to fruition and Barkley plays the whole year on the franchise tag, then so be it. Um, I think the Giants are comfortable with that should it come to that. Uh yeah, I mean, the savings, because you made the deal with, with, with um, Daniel Jones, you have money to play under that that tag number with him. And it's not like his number is nowhere near the number would have been with Jones. You know, I, I think just think a lot of fans who probably aren't really sure how the cap works, how contracts are negotiated, how they are structured, we're just under this assumption that, oh, my God, that's a huge number for Daniel Jones. That's going to eat up all of our cap space. We will not be able to make any other moves. And that's not really the way it works. And, you know, maybe if, you know, 
NFL Twitter and the talking heads on TV weren't hysterical all the time with trying to get hot takes and, you know, headlines about, you know, you know, crazy statements about what Daniel Jones is demanding and, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, maybe people would understand that, you know, the Giants still have money and moves to make by making this signing. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's not just the local media. I mean, I think there was a lot of national media that was just salacious headline, you know, after salacious headline and all these negotiations to the point where we have idiots putting signs outside of agency. Did you see that shit? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm embarrassed as a Giants fan for that kind of behavior. I think that's really just is dumb. It's not funny if that was the aim was to make me laugh. It failed. Um, I think it's dumb, and I think it makes us all look stupid. It makes us yeah. look like, I don't know, assholes. I mean, first of all, if you're Daniel Jones or you are any professional athlete. Oh, yeah, I didn't even get jo- into that part Your job, of you want to get as much as you can. I mean, the NFL is a dangerous sport. There is a limited shelf life that these players have. For the, for the fan to say, or the media to say, Oh, this is where we know how much Daniel Jones really wants to win. If he really wants to win, he will leave X on the table. Maybe that's what happens at the end of a negotiation. But to come in and say, I'm not going to ask for everything I can get because of some notion of, well, I want to win more. It's not his job to put together a winning team. It's the front office's job. And And, and, and let me hang on. Let me. Sit there because that actually ties into a legitimate cap conversation. You know, as we're talking about, you know, the 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 dummies of the world and how they handle business and whatever. um, There is a legitimate thing right there where people are like, well, you know, he if he's really going to demand this, he's just going to get more years of, you know, where he can just complain that he didn't have the stuff that he needed, but it's going to be because of his own cap number, blah 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 blah. And I first of all. I mean, theoretically, that's kind of true, right? If you are ballooning up too much of the cap, then you're not going to be able to pay free agents, et cetera. But like, and we've seen instances in the past, quarterbacks take pay cuts to allow other guys to sign, et cetera. Forget all that shit for a fucking minute here. This is a rebuilding team. Um, And I don't know how you can watch what Joe Shane did with like a sliver of cap space last year what he was able to do with just that amount of cap space to get this team into the playoffs. I mean, what we're talking about is going to be exponentially more year after year after year, even besides this deal. So what evidence do you have that Daniel Jones is going to be playing in a shittier situation because of his cap space? If anything, the situation is only going to get better than the one he was in this year. They already have more cap space than they did when Joe Shane got here. So that sentiment doesn't make any fucking sense. It really doesn't make sense. And also, who are these quarterbacks that leave a little on the table? A Peyton Manning at age 38. A Tom Brady at age 42. Guys that have already banked. Or or guys like Patrick Mahomes that know that they are only a player away from, you know, exactly. something like that. Yeah, guys, guys who already have hundreds of millions of dollars banked and who already have won championships. I mean, you see, you know, guys that are 27 years old who are about to get their first real paycheck. And again, don't give me the, well, he's a millionaire already, but, you know, I'm talking about 
enough money to set up the rest of your family for the rest of their lives and the rest of their lives and the rest of their lives. You know, they have every right to ask for that because you know something? Every one of you would do the exact same thing in their situation. You know, they are, these players are not fans. They are professional athletes trying to make money. So join us in the real world a little bit. Yeah, um, and so that's mainly why I didn't contribute to a lot of uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones' Twitter. But I'm happy for this move, and uh, let's talk about the move itself here. So it's a four-year deal worth $160 million, so spooky $40 million average. Um, there's an additional $35 million in escalators that he can earn. Uh, we also know that $82 million is guaranteed over the first two years. I don't know if this is actually fact or it's just rumored. I mean, I guess I guess all of these details are technically rumored at this time, but I'm seeing unofficial people say it will only count for $19 million against the cap this year. That's huge. I mean, and that allows the franchise tag on Barkley and a whole bunch of other moves. So before we get into the details, I just want to, announce where we are rumored to be at cap space so we were currently in 47 million dollars in cap space we subtract 10 million for the franchise tag on barkley to bring us to 37 19 million allegedly for daniel jones that puts us at 18 million dollar cap space do not fret because we have already announced that we are cutting kenny galladay come the beginning of the league year march 15th that has not been calculated in yet that's an additional seven million dollars back in the cap space so in this time free agency pre-draft where we're going to have to set aside money to sign the guys that we draft and we don't know how much because we don't know how many picks we'll actually use we have 25 million dollars in cap space and that doesn't include if we potentially restructure guys like Leonard Williams also. We of could course. Pre- There's still the- moves on the table for guys like Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson. Help me out. Is there somebody else? Uh, I think those are the big ones for right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you something. Let's. So now that we know that Daniel Jones is our guy, are you comfortable You know, at this stage in the rebuild and where the Giants are right now and what you've seen from Daniel Jones that he's your guy? Let's start from there. Are we both in this on the same page that we agree that the Giants' assessment that they want to invest in him to move forward, based well, on what you've seen and what you you project from him going forward? Based on what I've seen and what I project from him, in terms of my guy and if I think he's their guy. Yeah, I mean, first of all, would he, would he be your guy? Sure. I mean, well, okay. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at this deal and let's look at the facts here. So the deal is with 82 million guaranteed over the first two years tells me that there's probably a year three out to this deal. Mm -hmm. So consider that here in the way that they view him. Now, this is kind of conjecture. We do not actually know the details right now. So I might be doing a whole fucking opinion on something that doesn't actually come to light. But um, that makes sense to me because... You get him under the cap for this year. You give him the upfront money in that second year. But you'll probably know. Like, so if if he let's just say he's not the guy this year. Like, just say this is bad news shit this year. We made a mistake. We fucked up. Um that does not preclude them from drafting a quarterback next year and letting them sit behind him behind his guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't have to be a we're out on the Caleb Williams hunt if he 
declares for the draft next year. That I mean, if we're bad enough, they will take him because that means something drastically went wrong with Daniel Jones. And I would say that even includes a season-ending injury, right? I think sure. that that's certainly something that's on the table that they are willing to cut him after year two in a dead-out thing. And you can draft the Caleb Williams, and yeah, he probably doesn't deserve to or, or need to sit for a year behind someone who's bad enough to get you to draft him. Uh, but you still have that option. Mm-hmm. Or you can deal Daniel Jones, if, especially if the injury is the only thing. He might still have some trade value. So whatever. The point is, this doesn't preclude them from being only a year away that you, from, from drafting a quarterback. That's still in play. For me, I think that's where they... I mean, I have more confidence in him than that. I think they do too. Um, and also, with that out, we, we don't know the details. That might be something that Daniel Jones can trigger. You know, he might all of a sudden have two great years and realize, I want to go back and test the market again. Right? Yeah, I don't know. think that's how that works, dude. Can it be a? It can't be a player out after two years. I don't. Th- I mean, I don't. I think you can work player outs into it, but generally, that's just not something that is worked in. So usually, when there's a dead out, I mean, I could be wrong here. I'm definitely not a cap uh, expert or anything. My mm-hmm. understanding of the dead outs, though, is simply that your dead hit is below your cap hit. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that there's that difference there. You do get savings. So when you cut them before the end of the contract, you will be saving money and not being penalized. Whereas right. in other situations, you have a dead hit that's higher than or the same amount as the cap hit. Your savings are nothing for cutting them. Or right. or right. you could be incurring more cost. Right. Um, that's the way I say I don't know if there is if, – if those dead outs also have player exercises in them or not or if that's something that has to be added. Mm-hmm. But I mean that that is certainly a, a thought, right? Like, I, I yeah, think I think in that case, usually players hold out, though, right? Yeah, I mean we're we're so on the side of well, what if he sucks and what if he's underachieving and it's a bust on our side? What if he outplays this contract? Because again, this, the cap it's is certainly going- possible, man. I mean, yeah, in in a year or two years, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a sixty million dollar hit, mm-hmm. and he might be with the Jets right across town. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's certainly something – I mean, that is something that happens in the NFL. Quarterbacks will demand more money. You know, especially, they, you know, especially in the next year or two that we provide him with the, the weapons that he needs to succeed. We get him some wide receivers. You know, we make this offensive line better. You know, that the, the run game is better. The defense is better. So they're not on the field as long. You know, all these different things can happen. We are setting Daniel Jones up to be successful – even more so than squeezing the water out of the rock that was this past year. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a whole new setup. And it's yeah. like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would be far-fetched. But it's not, first, first of all, nothing is impossible. But, like, <laughs> it's it's certainly reasonable to say that there is a pathway where the Giants do well this year and then in two years make a legitimate Super Bowl run. In which case, he could then say, I have outplayed my contract. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I mean, right now, I believe right now he is the seventh highest paid quarterback by annual average annual contract. But you know something? There's going to be a whole round of these rookies, you know, still on rookie deals that are going to get paid. So he's going to be mid-tier paid relatively soon. Yeah. And if he starts playing better, you know, even better and better and gets into a more elite conversation of quarterbacks, yeah, he's going to be underpaid. 
Yeah, I, I don't personally. I, I don't think that this is like a big deal. Um, it, 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 I, I think that this is a fitting contract. I know people think, oh, forty million is too much. It's like I, I don't know, man. I I, I I right now I view him as the logical decision for the team. I think he's somebody that you're comfortable with. You're comfortable winning with. I think that there's a good relationship there. I think we agree that there is still ceiling. There is room for this man to grow. Um, I think these are kind of facts. You know, whether there's enough room or, you know, you've seen enough wins or whatever, that, that is obviously to be debated. But you certainly feel comfortable, uh, you know, with what's there. You, We agree that there's upside, etc. right? And he's not on your roster right now. So you have to make a decision. Are you going to re-sign him or is there a better option? And can you lowball him or does he have leverage? And the fact is, is that there's other teams out there that need quarterbacks, quite a few, and they will definitely pay him the money. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be comparisons to the Derek Carr deal, which I got to be honest, that happened happened this morning or last night. Last night, I, I did not get a whole lot of chance to divulge and break them down side by side and, and and whatever maybe those two contracts deserve to be um compared against or not but the fact is, is that with Derek Carr be signing first that's automatically going to be chips in Daniel Jones pocket because it's sure leverage for him it's one less one more quarterback off the market so yeah. i mean it, it makes logical sense it's not outrageous this contract it's not outrageous this decision it's, uh, it's just if you're outraged by the number, it, there's one of two reasons. One, you just think quarterbacks and anybody's getting paid too much, but that's you know not relative to anybody else. Like when you hear the number 40, $40 million dollars to play a game, you, they're probably in that camp. Or you just never were in from Daniel Jones either from the very beginning, from the draft pick, or you just didn't like him as a player for years one, two, and three, and four. Then so you you are bringing baggage with you to that decision. So it's not a pure. You know, you, when you stop and put it into context with other quarterbacks around the league, what the market is in 2023 and all that, it's, it seems like it just kind of falls in line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm sure people have cogent points to, you know, whatever, argue yeah. their side. But, like, it seems to me that the, the people – that if you have an issue with this, you're either just – you're just not thinking logically or mm-hmm. you are – yeah, I mean, you're, you're either drastically undervaluing what Daniel Jones brings to the table or you are drastically overvaluing what this draft class is going to bring you and what you think is going to happen that allows the pick at 25 to give you something or or, or what. But or, or that you think any of these guys are worth drafting or, or trading up to get or whatever. I think you're overvaluing that or you're undervaluing what Daniel Jones is. Or if, uh, th- th- to me, the only legitimate concern is that he has a bad injury history and I'm not really willing to commit to that. And I think that's probably the most fair criticism. I You know, I wouldn't say he has a bad injury. He has he's had injuries in his past. But you know something? If we're so concerned about his injuries, how come almost everybody is like, bring back Saquon, bring back Saquon, who's had a worse injury history than Daniel Jones? I get it, different position, different value and stuff, but I think injuries are just something you just have to, you know, you roll the dice with with any quarterback. And that, to me, is 
if it was something where he was constantly injured and he's only playing eight games a year, seven games a year across five years, that's one thing. But I, I, I'm, I wasn't really worrying about the injury when I was thinking about him going forward. Um, a couple of things I did hear from people, which I thought was just beyond silly, was just like, well, we have Tyrod Taylor. Let's let's use him. You know, we're paying him. Let him earn his value. Guys, if you think if you think that this team is moving forward and it's, you know, playoff run and, and building towards something and Tyrod Taylor is your answer. I don't know what sport you're watching. Well, I, I have a, a comment on that is that that's a legitimate thing to say in the scenario in which Daniel Jones had a very bad year last year and they had no interest in resigning him and you need to fix something because this is not a good quarterback crop this year, then yes, it's a viable option to play a whole year with Tyrod Taylor just to get to that year where you move on from him and hopefully you're bad enough to trade or, or to trade up to get Caleb Williams or somebody in the draft. Well, very, that That's the only situation. You never consider Tyrod Taylor against Daniel Jones. Which one do I actually no. want? No. Well, and to be very honest, if, if Daniel Jones has an awful 2022, we are in the draft market this year for Anthony Richardson, for you know CJ Stroud, for Bryce Young. Our record is atrocious if he is bad this year. So, you know, there would have been different possibilities with how you approach this draft never mind even next year's draft fortunately that didn't happen uh, was there something else you wanted to say that was a silly thing you heard uh no i mean i just kind of you know that was that was one of the main ones i just i i i think that people are just like if you thought that this giant team if you didn't think last year was a fluke and you think that this team you know, even though it might have overachieved, you think of a foundation is really there, you know, worrying about your backup, having your backup quarterback play next year or relying on a rookie, you know, you are going to slow that progress down. And I don't think, I don't think the giant fan who's finally had the slightest taste of success last year after a decade of, you know, unwatchable football would be willing to accept that in September. They may talk the talk now in March, but when September comes along, would not be accepting of it. Um, yeah, for real. I um, I want to transition. Of course, that happened. Sorry about that. I um, I do want to transition to the draft talk because you did mention like if Daniel Jones is so bad in twenty twenty two, then we're in the market for the draft this year. And uh, I I think that the draft this year is an interesting conversation at quarterback because, um. This is something that I do think that some Giants fans were interested in was the quarterback market in the draft. And I have to be honest, I think this is a bad class. Um, I don't think this is the class that you want to be drafting a starter in. Um, And to me, for the first time, I think an Ohio State guy is the top of the class. I do like C.J. Stroud the best. Um I think he's probably going to go first overall. And I do you think there's any way that um, the Bears would draft and trade bait Justin Fields? That's totally out of the question, right? I think so, but I also think that Anthony Richardson is going to be the first overall pick. I think I you're just, outside of your mind. I, 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 I think that somebody is, either, is going to trade up and say, I just can't pass up this guy. I mean, we, all saw, we all saw the combine. 
And again, well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm speaking from someone that has watched more Anthony Richardson than anybody who's listening to this show right now. And, you know, I, from what I saw is different than what people's hopes and dreams and expectations, what this guy could be. I think he's going to end up being number one. I just have this real suspicion. I think he became Superman last week. And I think that a lot of GMs have Google eyes and they think they can, they can make something out of him. My question to you is going to be, Grump, let's say this was next year, a hypothetical, and Daniel Jones shits the bed, and Anthony Richardson was available. Would you draft him next year and ha- have him sit for a year or so and wait for that year where you can get out of the, the Daniel Man, Jones contract? You just, you just couldn't let me – like you couldn't wait for me to get to Anthony Richardson. You had to just drag it past C.J. Stroud. <laughs> He's not let's, – let's, let's take this one fucking step at a time, goddammit. He is not the best quarterback in this draft class. I will admit I do think that there is a chance he goes first overall, and I'll tell you why. It's because the Bears have the pick. It's because the first overall pick is going to be listening for best offers, mm-hmm. and they don't give a shit. There is a chance that a team that is not immediately quarterback ready or or quarterback needy has enough to move up to take him when they know they will soon be quarterback needy. And I don't know what team that is, but I do foresee that as a possibility. I will say that if whatever team moves up and drafts him first overall decides to play him as a starter year one, they will sorely regret it and they will fuck up the person 1000 percent agree with you on that the, the, the team that is drafting him this year whether it's first overall fourth overall whatever should mothball the guy for at least a year he is nowhere near ready to play in the nfl that's why i asked the question about you know that hypothetical but, so in yeah. that so for that hypothetical then yes I, I i actually i believe i answered that question just by saying that right yeah um but so all right. So, would you, my question was, would you do it with the in the giant situation? In the yeah. giant situation, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. The the only offshoot is where am I, and um, you know, do I have a shot at Caleb Williams too? Because it's mm-hmm. next year, and you know, I don't know. Hypotheticals. It's there's a million things we could go down. You yeah. Know, who knows? Like we could have a phenom we're not even thinking of right now. Coming but, we're, but 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 we're thinking is he is a guy that you know we definitely would say. I would do what I can to get him, and I would stash him for a year. And when his time is time, so so we'll we'll talk about them side by side because that mm-hmm. that's the the white right way to do it, right? So if you need yes. a quarterback right now, and you're the first overall pick, your choice should be C.J. Stroud. I mean, you don't have a quarterback on the roster. Let's say it that way. C.J. Yes. Stroud to me looks like a true pocket quarterback with some mobility. But what he has to me is an ability to mi- manipulate the pocket. He has really good accuracy. Um, the question always comes back to the Ohio State thing, right? I mean, it's it, he was rarely under pressure or faced anyone that had a complicated matters in in the in coverage. He generally had far superior athletes running wide open in secondaries. I mean, there were there, he. I would say the one thing he does have to improve is his like beat in the pocket because he was so calm back there that he had flat feet. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's a guy who does not need a ton of work for me. I mean, it's going to be probably a lot of film study, upgrades, more complicated defenses. 
you know, if that Ohio State question is not a real thing, then whatever. On the flip side, we're talking about Anthony Richardson. And I, I'm going to just say what I see on film, and you can just kind of fill in the gaps when, I, when I'm done. Because sure. I don't, I can sure. Cliff's notes this, right? So mm-hmm. basically, where he stands out, he is an athletic stud with a cannon for an arm, but also really beautiful touch passes. Um, as far as what he needs to improve, I would say it starts and ends with fucking everything. I mean, the mechanics mm-hmm. are, are all over the place. The decision-making has failed because of it. Um, it just needs to be under control more. Uh, I, I think he needs a lot more experience in, in doing film work, reading things pre-snap, reading things post-snap. There's obviously bits there. That he's not. I'm not saying he's a stupid guy. What I'm saying and what concerns me the most about Anthony Richardson, because we agree he's a project franchise guy. He's a franchise guy that you cannot start right now. He was a project in Florida. I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah. He, he came from a very unsophisticated uh, offense at Gainesville High. So he was starting mm-hmm. behind the eight ball already in Florida and had to go through two different coaching changes in two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to me, he's clearly a guy you take a chance on. But comparisons to it being kind of like drafting Mahomes – to me, that's off. And and the, the concern for me is that Mahomes had starting experience in college. He was mm-hmm. comfortable running his college offense. Richardson had nothing of the sort. Uh, mm-hmm. And what he is lacking is just general live bullets. There's nothing mm-hmm. that you can do sitting behind a starter or, or working with him on the side or him coming in early. There's nothing you can do to substitute that. So I don't think that you're going to get the situation where midway through year one, you're subbing in Alex Smith with Anthony Richardson and everyone's got goo-goo eyes. That's not going to happen. He's no. probably still, even after a year, maybe even a year and a half, have a lot of troubles Going through things. That's not to say the the offset obviously are the, the highlight plays. He's Michael Vick, Cam Newton, whatever you want to say, right? So go ahead. Let's, and, let's... And, and not even that. Not even the highlight plays. He had just his natural ability to get out of trouble and gain a yard when it should be a sack for most other quarterbacks too. So, you know, the, the, the Florida offensive line was pretty decent last year, but he also – you know, minimize the number of sacks by just his pure athletic ability, just getting back to the line of scrimmage, getting one or two yards when it should have been a five or six yard loss. Um, your points are, are right on. Um, if he actually, if Dan Mullen actually sticked around and if he would have actually started him over Emory Jones, he would have stuck around probably for a second year. That was an offense. I think he was a lot more comfortable running than the offense of Florida ran this past year. I mean, this, the offense that the, the, the Gators tried to run last year was very similar to what the 49ers tried to do. The Gators didn't have the the personnel, obviously, that San Francisco does. So, you know, would Anthony Richardson ultimately be successful in a 49er offense as opposed to one that's more custom made to doing the things that he does best? Well, we don't know. Probably, maybe not. Maybe, maybe so. Um, he only started 13 games, and you know, you look at the history of you know the average number of starts that a a number one or a top five or top 10 drafted quarterback, a lot more than that. Um, he also, you know, the, his big thing was just the inconsistency. You know, he played against Utah in week one, a, a top 10 team and looked fantastic, you know, making smart decisions, running the ball, 
showed some accuracy. But then against Kentucky, an eh team was god-awful. And he also wore his emotions on his sleeve. Like when he started, you know, three or four incompletions in a row, you can see he was rattled. And that threw him off that entire game. He was atrocious in that game. Um, against Tennessee, a top 10 team, played fantastic. You know, just got into a rhythm, threw all over the place, running when he needed to. But then, you know, when he plays uh, in the Vanderbilt game, Vanderbilt, significantly less talented than Florida, again, starts off a bad first quarter, it's in his head. So getting that out of his head, that comes with playing. And, you know, again, 13 games. Um, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. So somebody's going to take a chance on him. Somebody's going to you know, decide, this guy, we see his skill set. They're going to build an offense around him. They're going to get weapons around him. It's going to take a lot of time. It's, even then, it still may or may not work. Um, none of those teams that, that you know feel they're just a quarterback away or looking for a quick fix, this is not their answer. Or someone that's even a playoff team out there. It's someone that's going to have to rebuild, starting with him as the foundation and building around him. Kind of like what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson. I, I, I see that comparison. That's interesting, yeah. Um, so I, I honestly, I like Anthony Richardson second in this class. Um, but it's such a unique situation that I'm, I'm going to rank him third, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that makes any sense. Here's what's interesting. The next two guys and the only other two guys that I view as I personally view as day one quarterbacks. And when I say when I view, I don't mean where I think guys will go. I mean my value, where I grade them. Just as a general from now until the end of time when I say that, that's what I mean. Um, they're both SEC guys. So I know you're not – when you're watching games, you're you're rooting for your team. You're not scouting or anything like that. But, but you're watching. watching. Say, who's a good quarterback? Who's not a good quarterback? Who's next level? Yeah, I am. So I, I want to know your thoughts on Will Levis from Kentucky and Bryce Young from Alabama. I want to know just kind of where, what you think of each of them and which one you would rank ahead of the other. Oh, I don't think it's even close. I would have Bryce Young significantly above Will Levis. Will Levis, the game, the game, the, the, the Florida game this year, I was kind of unimpressed with him. Um, you know, you could see he has a cannon, but I didn't see the intangibles. I didn't see a guy out there. It's like, oh, this is a top ten pick in the draft. I I, I remember saying to my the buddies at the game, thinking, you know, Richardson and him, thinking, oh, these might be two top ten quarterbacks. And I'm like, God, these are top ten quarterbacks, both of them. <laughs> um, you know, he had one long pass, which was basically a jump pass that uh, the receivers you know, snatched the ball out of uh, Jason Marshall's hands. Uh, you know, for, for a touchdown. Um, I don't know. He's, he's a big kid. He's a very confident kid. He feels like he's a leader, but he doesn't look like he's a franchise quarterback to me. Bryce Young, on the other hand, looks like, you know, you look at him physically and you're like, is this guy an NFL quarterback? But he's, he just seems to have that it. Like he, you know, he makes the throws that have to be made. He moves the chains when he has to. Um, again, like you said to start this, this is not the greatest draft for quarterbacks. This is not going to be an, an Elway Marino year, but I would have him over uh, Levis for sure. So I actually have them flipped 
But I I do agree with your assessment, kind of of both of them. Uh, I I sort of agree. I all right. So let's start with Will Levis. I have him above um, Bryce Young, and I think it's because he is unimpressive, right? So when people were clamoring about this guy, I put the tape on and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't I don't see He's all it. All right. I mean, yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky, do they outkick their coverage because of that quarterback? No. I mean, someone like that, you want a quarterback who's like. Uh, you know, uh, when they had Tim Couch, for example, way back when Kentucky or when Vanderbilt had Jay Cutler, it's like this guy made a kind of a crappy team a heck of a lot better just on that one guy. And I never got that sense of Will Levis at all. So I'm not I'm not sure where I land on him, partly because I think this Kentucky team is bad um, mm-hmm. and that that certainly doesn't help him. But. Where you where he stands out, right? Let's just what makes him special that we're even talking about him day one is arm strength, right? Like he's big kid, he can truly mm-hmm. flip the field with his arm. You said it yourself; he just feels like a gamer. He's like a leader. I think he's got. He kind of almost reminds me of Baker Mayfield in that fashion. I don't know if that's maybe no, too yeah, much. I, I, oh, absolutely. I mean, you but, could tell Baker Mayfield was the undisputed leader of that team. He was yeah. their heart and soul. He was the guy. You know, doing the horns down, all that type of stuff. I completely get where you're going with that. Yeah, and and it, in that sense, you see it a lot when he's running because he runs with purpose. He's not afraid to truck a DB or something like that. He'll run like that, a little wild, whatever. Like a um, Daniel Jones? Well, no, not at all. He's not nearly as natural looking running the ball. He's not half as fast as Daniel Jones. But I mean, no. I mean, like he'll run somebody over. Same, same with Daniel Jones. But when he gets up, he's all pumped up and fired up and shit. You know what I mean? That's and it, yeah. I, I honestly think it has a big effect on the team. I think it has a big effect when Daniel Jones runs guys over on the team as well. Certainly has a big effect on the crowd. Um, and I do think that amps people up, but that extra, like, you know, that getting into it, I, I think that helps. I think, especially a college team, you know, whatever. But I mean, there's fucking issues with this kid, man. He gets way too locked into his first decision. Um, and, and to me, some of that could be just Kentucky sucks, right? He's behind an offensive line that blows. He's under constant fucking pressure. Um, and, and they don't really have a whole lot going on at wide receiver. The shit's not really all that complicated. I'm not sure how much of that is really his fault, but it certainly looks bad. More for me is that he is bad in the pocket. He does this shit where he like fades away to make a throw under pressure instead of evading pressure. He just mm-hmm. keeps dropping back and making – he does this fadeaway shot. That's never going to be accurate. It's never going to fucking work. It's likely to – People are like, oh, that's the oh, throwing off his back foot. People say that that type of throw, right? It's kind of, like, yeah. But I mean, it's like yeah. it's like self-implicated. A lot of times when you're throwing your yeah. back foot, there's pressure literally in your face. This is him just deciding to evade pressure by backing up, which you right. don't want to do. Like he'll take like seven steps backwards and then just do a hail. You know what I mean? Don't do that shit. It's bad. Right. Um, he's got shit to fix. But I do think that there's stuff that can be fixed, and I do think that he was a product of a bad school. On the flip side, Bryce Young, you nailed it, doesn't look the part. He's 5'10". That does concern me. Do you know who else is 5'10 in the league at quarterback? I think the only other person is Kyler Murray. The difference in where I saw Kyler Murray as a number one pick is, A, he was pretty damn accurate, and B, he had a special ability to escape the pocket where his size no longer mattered. In fact, you could actually argue his size was an advantage in getting out of situations. I don't see that shit with Bryce Young. 
I do think that he runs really well with the ball. He's certainly a smart kid. He's a good quarterback, but his accuracy isn't that good for me. I see it. It looks behind. He looks high. He looks low. I see all kinds of issues. To me, you add this stuff up, that's why I have Levis above him. Um, right now, I think Bryce Young is probably better. He certainly has better film, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't... I think some team is going to try and draft him and put him in day one, and I think it's going to be some growing pains for him. If if whatever team takes Bryce Young gives him some time to work his way up to it, I think we'll see a much better career from him. I just don't think that's going to happen. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I, I just you – know, other than Anthony Richardson and he's a special situation, there's nobody in this draft at all where I'm like, I need to trade up to get this guy, you know, regardless of my situation is like, I'm salivating at the chance to have this guy become my quarterback for the next 10 years. And I think that goes for Levis. That goes for young goes for CJ Stroud, I think. And I think it's just the, the lottery pick potential or the lottery ticket potential of Anthony Richardson that people even consider that. I don't usually do this kind of stuff, but I, if there was teams to pick one of these guys and set them, like, is is Tennessee a team that would take Levis and sit him behind Tannehill? You think? I can see that. I mean, Tannehill to me always seems like a quarterback that people have waiting for the next guy, and right? Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes he just hangs around and just is your quarterback for a few years. I don't really know the details of his current contract and how much time is left and whatever, but I, that that feels like something I could see, right? Totally. Totally. But I don't know. Is that just like Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man? Are, are you just replacing <laughs> Ryan Tannehill with future Ryan Tannehill? Maybe that's maybe that's why I can see it so well. I, I feel there's more. Up, are you talking about with Levis or are you talking about? Yeah, with Levis. I mean. Oh. Uh, Tannehill to me was always like, is he a backup or is he a starter? Well, now That's what starting, I thought, yeah. And now he's just still starting. I don't think Levis <laughs> is, is he a backup or a starter? I think he could be a starter. In this league, I just don't know if he's upper echelon, you know, more than mid-pack at best as a starter. Where Tannehill, to me, always was like, eh, he's going to be a really good backup. He can, he can play those couple of games, and, well, now is his opportunity. Like Geno Smith, almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, really good, solid solid backup, who, you know, all of a sudden starting. So I, I have one last little conversation I want to talk about with the quarterbacks here. I mentioned that these are the only guys I view as day one guys, which means everybody else is going to be day two or day three, which means your Max Duggins from TCU, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue I kind of like. The other guys, Jake Hayner, Tanner McKee. Actually, I, I don't mind Stetson Bennett if we're just looking strictly at his uh, ability, whatever. In comparison to the other guys, he's actually polished and knows what he's doing. Tanner McKee from Stanford looks like garbage to me. Jake Hayner is bad. I saw him at the Senior Bowl. I didn't like him. Aiden O'Connell, I can see some stuff. My my question here is, you know, obviously the big ones, none of this matters. As I talk about me grading quarterbacks and stuff like that, especially these guys who are probably not going to be starters. But it does (laughs) kind of play into this. And I asked you this question. I told you I was going to ask you this question, right? And... That question is, how far would a quarterback that you kind of like have to fall before you consider drafting him to cut Tyrod Taylor? Now remember, Tyrod Taylor costs $7 million right now. There is 
to be more precise, six point nine million dollars. Nice. Uh, and the dead hit is five point five two five million, which means cutting Taylor saves around one point three seven five million. So that's significant. If you if you feel that you've replaced him now, as I'm saying this, what we're talking about here is like you know. Could you see Hendon Hooker as a backup to Daniel Jones? Could you see drafting any of these? I mean, shit, Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker are old enough to be backups for Daniel Jones, I would say. right? I, Isn't, think, I, I, believe, I believe Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker are older than Daniel Jones. They're both 28, aren't they? Uh, or something insanely old? No, I think Stetson's 26, and I think Hooker might be 26. I think they both might be 26. Something like that. It's Hooker might be a little older. Um, like, like I was going to say to you about Hooker, like let's say he was 21, is he a day one quarterback to you? Is is the age alone, and also the injury, is that what puts you in a day two or, or day three? The age and injury combined, I think, is what puts it down. Because if it's just the ACL, you're like, oh, well, you know, he's a young guy, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And if it's just the age, you're like, oh, well, he's 28, but I need him fucking now. He's good now. What do I care if he's 28, right? But right. when you combine them, it's like, well, now we're not even getting him until he's like 29, and you still got some stuff to clean up. I mean, he does. So if you're asking me if there's issues with him, there absolutely is issues. For one, I don't think he throws with any fucking anticipation whatsoever. Some of his best throws, he is absolutely waiting for the receiver to be on the trajectory that they are going to be on. His deep passes suffered from a lack of anticipation and a failure to get actual depth and like even things like slants he can't throw before the cut he can't anticipate he's got to see the cut first and, that won't fly and it was a kind of a gimmicky offense too and it, yeah and it's a bullshit offense tennessee's a bullshit offense so no i don't view him as a day one starter no okay that's why he's a day three for me in addition oh. to the age and the acl okay gotcha um to me there's a lot of factors it's uh you know the giants now this isn't last year where you know i could just get anybody to be the backup quarterback and just be a babysitter placeholder. The Giants now we think are a playoff team and every game counts. So, you know, Tyrod Taylor is not the best quarterback in the world, but Tyrod Taylor is a veteran who knows the offense. And I I feel more comfortable with a guy like him if he has to play one week, two weeks. If it's seven or eight weeks, well, we're probably screwed. And even drafting a guy and having a rookie play – seven, eight games, we're probably screwed also. Um, so, you know, a lot of other factors too, like how many of those draft picks are we going to draft? And we still have a lot of holes on this roster that we need to address. Um, backup quarterback may not be one of our highest priorities, but if we are, you know, if we're using all these extra draft picks that we have, we're not trading up and we're not making any, you know, deferring picks to the year after to save money and all these different things. Um, I would say it have to be pretty low. Uh, I, I think they're going to... Well, well, hang on, hang on. Before you give the actual answer, because you gave some insight that we didn't really talk about was like, you know, the state of the team and stuff like that. Yeah. And I yeah. agree with you there. The Tyrod Taylor is not very good, um, whatever. Just to throw this out there for people who don't know or whatever, there is savings from cutting Tyrod Taylor and drafting his replacement starting in round two. It's not significant at round two. It's only 200000 and it increases to four, varying degrees of 400000 between their two round three picks and their round four pick. But because of the top 51 rule against the cap, the savings kick in at round five. With 163rd pick, by cutting Taylor and, and drafting his replacement, you are saving $1.3 million. So it's not nothing. I mean, yeah, in the context of NFL contracts, that sounds like nothing, but that's significant wiggle room. 
So I and and it goes anywhere from one point three to one point three five, depending on which round starting from round five and down. Let's just say this: um, this year coming up, I'd be more likely to do it than I would the next year. If let's say next year we are eleven and five or eleven and six team, you know, we 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 lose the division to Philly by one game. We think the next year we're going to be a Super Bowl contender. The answer is no. I think this year is the last year we're in that transition between being a playoff team and being a contender for the Super Bowl. Maybe we try to get away with it this year. And, you know, you, you roll the dice a little bit. Hope Daniel Jones is healthy for 17 games and that backup never touches the field. Um, I, I, if we think like the next year we're better and we're a contender where every game truly, truly matters. I don't know if I do it, but this year, maybe, maybe you try to roll the dice a little bit with it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, as, as terms of like generally speaking, it's either going to be this year or the af- the year after a legitimate Super Bowl run. And, and and I think it is likely that after this upcoming season, uh, I, I mean, I think it's likely. I'm projecting at this point in March that this upcoming season will feel by the end of it that the next season, 2024, is going to be our Super Bowl contending year. That's not a good year to waste a draft pick on something like that, unless, of course, it's the guy and whatever, right? But Mm -hmm. in that case, then you probably do it in 2025 because you feel like, all right, well, now we're a couple of – we're going to be in this window for some time now, but we do need a backup, et cetera. Um, Then it becomes – it honestly just – it becomes more of a need by that point at that – anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at that point, you know, again, we are still in roster. Even though we are a playoff team now, we're all excited. We are still in roster building mode. We still yep. have a lot of holes that need to be fixed. Bigger concerns. We, you know, we rattle off. We need a quarterback. We need a wide receiver. We need a linebacker. We need a safety. We need, you know, blah 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 blah. There's a lot of needs on this team, as opposed to wanting to be cheaper at backup quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's wanting to be cheaper, but also guys with upside and guys, like I said, a guy you like. So I listed the guys that kind of fell behind there that are day three guys. And I kind of prattled off the guys that I do like. Max Duggan, uh, Hendon Hooker, I think can be a good backup. Max Duggan, I think can be a good backup. I think Aiden O'Connell from Purdue could be a good backup. And I do think Stetson Bennett could be a good backup quarterback. Um, I know that that is like, fire in your eyes but i mean logistically looking at his mechanics what he can do on the field he looks like a backup quarterback in the nfl he looks like an arena football quarterback to me yeah, I'm honestly I'm not, I'm not, no no no. i i do kind of agree that i do I'm agree with that. Saying that because he's a georgia quarterback and he's a little twerp and i don't like him but to me i, I he could there i don't think there's ever been a quarterback in college football history that was set up for success more than stetson bennett with that offensive line those receivers, mm-hmm. those monster tight ends, a, uh, an all-time great defense in 2021. I would agree with this. Yeah. And all, all these different things. You know, I could have gone back there and been an all-SEC quarterback. Um, you know, he's not big. His arm is eh. He's, he's, he's smart. He's, he's, you know, he's mature. Well, I'd say he's mature, except for the guy, you know, got arrested for uh, disorderly conduct for drinking and also, you know, pulled the, do you know who I am at a restaurant and didn't think he should pay, but... So maturity may not there, but like you were talking about Anthony Richardson, only started 13 games. How many games does Stetson Bennett start? He started over 30. Yeah, but I mean, uh, okay, go ahead, keep going. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. No, I'm saying like you know he, he started over 30 games at Georgia, and not just playing games. Like he played in 
How many SEC championship games? How many college football playoff games? How many national championship games? How many, you know, major non-conference games? So the guy, he knows the spotlight. He knows the, the big right. situation. So all that stuff I can see. But to me, he's still just a little twerp who I don't think is an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely on the lower end. He's the last guy I'd mention out of quarterbacks I could see as an NFL backup. I, I agree there. Like, I, I think he thinks highly of himself. I think he, oh, first God. of all, he he is older. I think that plays into it. He knows the spotlight. I think he would rather be, and again, I know I'm the only one that watches this, talks about this, whatever. I view him as an XFL starter, USFL starter, right? I, I don't think he would take to the backup role very well. He probably would be that for like a year or something, but I could see him leaving it. I, I don't know anything about him he, personally because I don't really care. I, I didn't – I'm going to be honest. I didn't do character work on the quarterbacks. I didn't think we were doing anything. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, to be very honest, he probably made more money in NIL this year than he will with a roster spot in the NFL as a backup quarterback. Interesting, yeah. In the sixth round. So you're right. If he's taking a, a pay cut to be in the NFL, you're right. And also being Mr. Swinging Dick in Athens for two years, you – with a name like Stetson Bennett the fourth, Jesus fucking Christ, the guy, the, the guy just he just oozes entitlement and elitism. So I, I could see like by year two, The Rock doing weird things to kind of like get players <laughs> like that by offering bigger contracts. Can you sure. not? I mean, I'm being serious. Like you you see a guy where he's like he has no NFL future for real. He's seen the shit. He could be good at this level. Like you just approach him, be like, "Yo, I know that the salary is garbage, but like this, you would enjoy this more, and I'll pay you more money. I want you to be here because it's representative of his league. I mean, college football. I mean, for all we joke about the XFL in Georgia right now, I mean, football is huge. I you, guarantee you, they're watching that shit, even if it's you, stupid. You don't remember uh, a few years back, they tried to start a spring league that was based upon. You know, there was a team going to be in Gainesville, a team in Athens, a team in Knoxville, and the rosters were made up of alumni of those schools. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. I think it went bankrupt before it even started. But the thought was, you wouldn't want to watch, you know, Rex Grossman. Relive that shit? Yeah. If you're a 32-year-old Rex Grossman, if you're a Gator fan, or you wouldn't want to see, you know, whatever, you know, crappy quarterback that Georgia had that they liked from, you know, so there is an appetite for football. There always but but specifically be. those guys, right? Sure. Yeah. Would you you want to see a thirty three year old Johnny Manziel right now in the XFL? I hundred percent want to see. I I was expecting that shit to happen. Someone someone would want to see that. You you can't just throw a spring league out there, a bunch of no names in empty stadiums. No one cares. But you give us a storyline, a reason to. Yo, but have also like interest. we'll watch. But but that like the Baker Mayfields of the world, like the Josh Gordons who's in the XFL right now, the guys who don't fit into the good guy image the NFL wants, they belong there. Like sure. they, like they want that. Like let them just be animals. It doesn't fucking matter. We're not trying to be good people in the USFL. These are guys that are talented. Whatever. Who cares? That's you know what I mean? Like that's, that's honestly where they kind of. I don't know. I don't want to say belong. I, mean, I guess if you're super talented, I should shut my fucking mouth, right? In any case, I'm, I'm talking about this. Could you see Max Duggan or Hendon Hooker legitimately as like a, a backup that you would like on the team? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it's something that we want to develop and have him be the backup, you know, over the next few years and learn the offense, be ready at a moment's notice to come in and play and, 
you know, if not be at a level of Daniel Jones, at least, you know, fall into the, you know, total shit category? Absolutely. A younger version, a guy who has no, you know, one of the things we said about Tyrod Taylor was we always felt in the back of his mind he was still auditioning to start somewhere. A guy like this, you know, I mean, it could be become trade value in the future as well. I mean, I'm not just saying this for nothing. This is why you do this. Uh, I, I kind of didn't explain that. But, like, yeah, you get this guy. DJ is your guy. You've already signed him, so he's going to be your backup. You play him in preseason finales and shit like that. And then you, you you do that shit where when it's, like, week 17, you give him that Davis Webb treatment and you put him out on the market and see what you get back. And they never were starters. I mean, a guy like Tyrod Taylor, what it's kind of like being a head coach, you know, Head coach gets fired, becomes a defensive coordinator. You know they always want to be a head coach again. Well, someone like Terod Taylor, in the back of his mind, he thinks he could still start somewhere. And he's using every appearance that he's on the field as an audition to be a starter again. You get a guy like Hendon Hooker who's probably never going to be an NFL starter, and this is your role, buddy. Back up. I mean, I could see Hendon Hooker. Example. I, I, yeah, like he's that. like the one I – Hendon Hooker and Max Duggan I could see earning their way into like a weird thing, but I don't foresee it. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. That being said, with the initial question of how far would they have to fall, like I said, round five, you're staving about $1.3 million and it gets all the way up to one point three five. I don't think either – any of the guys that I like are going to be there. But even if they do, this would not – Honestly, I asked this question before the DJ deal happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect yep. an only a $19 million cap hit against the cap this year. I expected a lot more. So saving this $1.3 million was could have been more of a priority. I don't think it's worth it now. I think you stay with Tyrod Taylor this year, even if you have Max Duggan sitting there in the seventh round, and it's going to save you $1.352 million. Who cares? I mean, I guess in the seventh round it doesn't matter. But that's just if, not going to happen. If we're seven and three, and Daniel Jones has to be, not play for two weeks, I want Tyrod Taylor to play over a rookie. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it. Um, we didn't talk a lot about Saquon Barkley receiving the tag. I want to save that for. Uh, it's pretty clear they're going to use that tag to try and work on a long-term deal. So I want to save that for until that happens or until it doesn't happen. And, and I also want to talk about next time, too, I want to talk about Daniel Jones. Like, now that he's in the fold, we need to talk about, you know, how we improved this past year and what he needs to improve on going forward. Because half the story was keeping him versus not keeping him. Now the story has to be how does he become better than he is and become more of that franchise quarterback that we hope and think he can be and we're investing in to be quite honest let's do it so next week we will not be talking about running backs we'll talk a little bit more about daniel jones and we'll move to wide receivers we'll talk about where the wide receivers are with this team what this team has and uh what the options are in the draft and if there's anything on the open market they should be exploring so that's going to be next week and that's a big one that is i'm sure giants fans are waiting for wide receiver stuff I am. That's for sure. All right, everyone. So we will see you next week on the usual spots, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. Um, And, of course, on Twitter for all up-to-date contract stuff, you know, whatever. Uh, If Saquon Barkley gets a deal done in the next week or if the 
I'm sure we'll get more details on Daniel Jones' deal before the next episode. So whatever. Sure. On, on Twitter, at football underscore grump. It's on the screen, at the cranky fan. And uh, we will see you all next Tuesday morning. Go Giants. All right.